0: RCC, so glad to be back with you guys again, whether you're in person or whether you're online. Thanks so much for joining us. And if we have not met, my name is Matt, and we may not have met because it's been actually a year since I have been here. Uh, How's this last year been for for you? Anything interesting go on? Anything you need to fill me in on? Been pretty calm, hasn't it? Man, what a crazy year. I mean, besides all the big global stuff, the pandemic and the financial crisis and racial injustice and election year, I mean, good grief. In spite of all that, there was still all this personal stuff that you and I had to face and you and I had to deal with. So it's been an interesting year. It's been a a challenging last 12 months, hasn't it? And I'm sure if we had a chance to sit down over coffee and we could have a conversation about this, uh, you would tell a story much like mine. You tell a story of, you know, there's been some suffering, there's been some sorrow, there's been some loss, there's been some, some difficulty, there's been a lot of stress over the course of the last year. And yet, at the exact same time, and this is the way life works, isn't it? At the exact same time, there's been a lot of good things that have happened. It's funny because the good and the bad, the positive and the negative, they tend to run on parallel tracks in our lives at the very same time. And just this past week, I was spending a little bit of time as I was driving reflecting on some of the positives. It's so easy to remember all the negatives, but I began to reflect on and think about all the positives that have happened, all the blessings, even in the middle of these crazy last 12 months. And I realized, oh my goodness, there's still so many good things, so many blessings that God has given me. There's, there's so many positives that have come out of this, and it's probably true for you as well. I think all of us, we've learned a lot of valuable lessons over the last year, haven't we? All of us have navigated through this in a way that it's reminded us of some things that were important that maybe we'd forgotten were so important. It has taught us some things that maybe we hadn't learned in the past, but we got it this time as we went through it. There's a lot of positives that come out of that. There, there's some lessons personally that we're going to carry with us. There are also some lessons corporately that I think we're going to carry with us. One of the things, one of the, one of the valuable lessons that I have walked out of these last 12 months with, and maybe you would expect me to say this because I'm standing up on stage here at church, but hang with me for just a minute because I think one of the most valuable lessons that I've walked away with and that many of us have walked away with is this idea of the value and the importance of the church especially the role the church plays in the middle of its local communities. Man, we have seen that this year. We've learned some incredible things. We've learned the church isn't a meeting place. It's a movement. The church isn't a building. I mean, you've gone through seasons over the last year where you couldn't meet, but RCC didn't close, did you? No, you continue to make an impact and to do things because the church isn't a meeting place. It's not a building. No, it's a movement. And I think one of the things that this year has hopefully reminded us of and hopefully demonstrated to people who are not in church, to people who are not followers of Jesus in our communities. I hope that it's demonstrated that the message we carry, it really, really matters. That the message we carry is as important, as impactful, as vital today as it has ever, ever been before. You see, when Jesus left this earth, he took his message, I don't know why he did this, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to be honest. Seems a bit risky, but he did it. He took his message, and he thought the best thing to do with it was to put it in your hands and mine, to put it in the hands of his followers, to put it in the hands of the church. And he said, now, I want you to take that, and I want you to live it out, and I want you to share it, and I want you to spread it. You are now managers of this message. And so as we begin this uh, series, Share the Experience, I just want to pause and remind us of something that maybe we've forgotten, maybe we've been reminded of in the middle of this Crazy last 12 months that we are stewards as followers of Jesus as a church. We're stewards of the message of eternal life. One of the things that these last 12 months have reminded us of is that life's uncertain, isn't it? You really don't know what a day is going to bring. And yet here we are as followers of Jesus and we get to manage, we get to steward, we get to carry and share this extraordinary message. If you stop and think about it, this extraordinary message of eternal life this extraordinary message that God loves us so much, not just generally, but individually, that he came, that he came to this earth in the form of Jesus, and he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That is extraordinary. We get to steward this message of eternal life, that our future, no matter what happens to us right now, when we become a part of God's family, when we're forgiven, we we'll, Our future is secured forever. That is remarkable. And that is what enables so many of us to live with peace, even in the middle of very uncertain times. It's what enabled so many followers of Jesus over the centuries to be able to look death right in the eye and face it with peace because we know it is not the end. But eternal life is a lot more than what most of us think about. Eternal life is a lot more than just, okay, well, one day I'm going to be with God in heaven. Jesus said... This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. In other words, Jesus' view of eternal life was not a one day, way over there in the yonder, by and by, you're going to be fine. No, Jesus' view of eternal life was it begins right now. That the message of Jesus isn't just a message that makes a difference once we die, it makes a difference today. That we're stewards of the message of eternal life and we're stewards of the message of a better life. That following Jesus, it'll make your life better and it'll make you better at life. If these last 12 months have taught us anything, reminded us of anything, it's reminded us of this extraordinary message that we have. That it makes life better for everybody. That when you and I follow Jesus, we become better people. We become better sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives. Moms and dads. We become better employees, better friends. That when enough followers of Jesus come together and they follow him, with passion, with full-hearted devotion, well, it makes communities better. It eventually will make countries better. As a matter of fact, history proves that. And over the last 12 months, I hope that is what has been seen in your communities and in my community, that they've looked and they've said, okay, I don't know that I believe everything they believe, but oh my goodness, look. Look at how they're living. Look at how they're behaving. Look at how they're responding. Look at how they are loving selflessly in the middle of a crisis when they should just think about themselves see we really are stewards of the message of eternal life and a better life that is what people should see when they watch us and I hope over the last 12 months that is exactly what they've seen because the difference is huge now Paul the early follower of Jesus who probably one of his most famous followers he took the message of Jesus in his day literally around the known world I mean, he took very seriously Jesus' command of, hey, I'm putting this in your hands now. You go and make sure everybody knows about it. Well, Paul, because of all of his travels, he had this unique opportunity to see the difference, to go into communities and to see, here's what it looks like void of the message of Jesus. And here's what happens when the message of Jesus begins to infiltrate and impact and influence a community for good. And in a letter to Christians in the region of Galatia, As he writes to them, he begins to unpack these two different uh, options, these, these two different outcomes, if you will. He says, hey, I want you to understand. Here's what it looks like when you just follow what's natural to you. Here's what it looks like when you just do what you want to do and you ignore what Jesus taught. And here's what it looks like when a group of Jesus followers live this out. Here's what it looks like to live a better life. So I just want to show you real quickly what it says because I think this is a message that maybe now as much as ever needs to be shared, and it's, it's a message that we all need. Here's what he wrote. He said, so I say, live by the Spirit, and we're going to talk more about what that means in a minute, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, you may have heard this term sinful nature before. This is Paul's way of simply referring to our human nature as broken. Paul would say, if we were sitting down talking to him, well, we don't operate the way we were designed to operate, that we're not living the way God designed us to live. Paul would say, nope, sin has broken your nature and it's broken my nature. And because we have a broken nature, and this is maybe the easiest way to understand it, because you and I have a broken nature, we naturally lean in a certain direction. And it's never a selfless direction. We naturally lean in a certain direction and it's always for what's best for us. We always lean towards what we want now and not necessarily what we want most. And you do realize there's a difference, right? What I want now is very rarely what I want most. But what I want now has so much emotion tied to it, so many desires, so much passion involved, that I'll often choose, if I'm not careful, what I want now at the expense of what I actually want most. Well, Paul says, this is what your sinful nature and mine does to us. It causes us to always lean towards what we want now, the short term, instead of the long term. So he goes on, he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, well, the results are very, very clear. In other words, this is Paul's way of saying, when I tell you what the sinful, your sinful nature leans towards doing, what it tempts you to do, you're not going to be shocked by it. Nobody's going to go, oh my goodness, I can't believe a human being would do that. No, this is obvious. This is his point. This is so natural. This is just our autopilot. This is our default. And then, Paul gives a list. Now, I'm about to read this list to you, and let's just take this list as a test, okay? So you just check off any of them that apply to you as we go through it. Which of the things on this list that we're about to read have you done or would you have done if you knew you wouldn't get caught and you could get away with it? All right, here's his list. He says sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Well, for any of us males, we went through adolescence. So that's check, 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 right? I'm sure I don't want to speak for you ladies, but it's probably the same. I mean, you're like, okay, okay. But then you get to these next two and you think, well, maybe I'm not going to ace this test after all because haven't done any idolatry. Well, let me define idolatry for you. Idolatry is simply when you take something or someone and you put it before God. Okay, check. Guilty on that one. Well, what about sorcery? Well, Sorcery is whenever you try to manipulate God or others for your own benefit. Oh, well, if that's the case... I'm five for five, right? Here we go. He continues on. He says, hostility, quarreling. We haven't had any of that this year, have we? We haven't had any of that this week. I mean, okay, so far so good. Jealousy. Isn't isn't jealousy weird? Maybe jealousy is one of the easiest ways to see the impact of your sinful nature because none of us want to be jealous, but we're all jealous. We've all had that moment where we saw someone, we heard about something that happened, And immediately, I mean, we didn't even have time to think about it. It was just an immediate impulse and reaction. Something deep inside of us started celebrating the suffering or the negative uh, outcome that somebody else experienced. And you know what happens when that goes on in your heart. You begin to think to yourself, that's so ugly, that's so terrible. I don't want to feel that way. It's awful to feel that way. You run into somebody you hadn't seen in, you know, six months or so, and they were always so fit, and it always kind of drove you crazy, and then... There you go, you saw the impact, quarantine 15, right there on them. And there was something in you that got all excited. I'm glad they gained some weight, you know, and then you're like, what is that? That's just terrible, isn't it? Why in the world would we celebrate the struggles and the suffering and the loss of others? But we have all been guilty of that. Why? Because we've got a sinful, broken nature. And it just defaults right to, I'm going to celebrate your failures for my benefit, just to make me feel better. It's ugly, but it's there in all of us. Paul continues, he says, outburst of anger, check, we've been there, this may be the first test some of you make 100 on, it's going to be phenomenal, selfish ambition, yep, doesn't even need an explanation, dissension, division, we've had none of that in the last year, election didn't bring any of that on, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and then I love what he says here, and other sins like these, this was Paul's way of saying, i tell you what, This is a fill-in-the-blank test. I'm going to give you the first of the list. You just finish the list. And we could, couldn't we? We've got plenty of experience. We could finish the list with a lot of other things that our sinful human nature has just defaulted us towards. Racism, sexism. We could go on and on and on. Lying. This is just the struggle for those of us who are humans. And this is Paul's point. In countries that are civilized, We have to create laws to contain these behaviors. We have to uh, create laws to contain these desires, don't we? You can only take anger so far and then you cross the line. you got to stop. We can let sexual immorality go so far, but then we got to draw a line or it's going to tear apart our country, our culture, our society. You, You don't want any of the things on Paul's list in excess. But there is something in you and in me that if left to itself, our broken sinful nature will lead us right here. This is what we become known for. This is what we do. Even though none of us would say, well, I hope that's the list that describes me. But we've all been guilty, haven't we? Now, there is another option, and this is Paul's point. Paul's point is, I want to explain to you, when you begin to follow Jesus, it makes your life better, and it makes you better at life in some very, very practical ways. That the message of Jesus isn't just a message of, well, try to hold on and survive and don't create too much trouble until you die and get to heaven. It's no, no, no. There's a transformation happening in you right now, in me right now, that can lead to a transformation in our families, in our communities, in our churches, and ultimately in our culture. Here's what he goes on to write to these Christians in Galatia. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Let me just pause right here before we get into this list. When he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, here's what he's basically saying. He's saying, I want you to know what would happen in you and what would happen to you if God overrode your free will and forced you to do what he wanted you to do. See, some of you, your assumption is, and I'm sure you've had experiences that have led you to believe this, your assumption is whatever God would want for you or from you would not be a good thing. It would be painful. It would be difficult. It would be negative. And Paul goes, no, no, no. If God overrode your free will, and he's not going to, but if he overrode your free will and forced you to do exactly what he wanted you to do, Here's what he would want from you, and here's what he would want for you. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Here's what he would want. If he overrode your free will, he would make sure that you love people unconditionally and that you always put the interest of somebody else before your own. Now, I don't think any of us would argue with the fact that when we get to the end of life, we would love to be known as a loving person. Well, Paul says, this is what following Jesus does. It leads you right down this road of love. He goes on. He says, joy, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how difficult it is, no matter the challenges you face, not the kind of joy, not, not a fake pseudo joy, not the kind of joy that some Christians demonstrate where they stick their head in the sand and you know put their fingers in their ears and all these bad things are happening to them and they're like, no, 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 nothing bad's happening. It's all good, it's all good, praise Jesus. No, not that kind of joy. The kind of joy that can look at your circumstances, that can stare right in the eyes of the pain that you're facing and go, this is awful, this is hard, this hurts. But even in the midst of my pain and suffering, there is still a joy that I'm able to hold on to, an enduring kind of joy. Paul says, this is what following Jesus will give you. Love, joy, peace. Anybody wish they could have had a little more peace in the last 12 months? Anybody hoping for some more peace in 2021? I mean, all of us would sign up for that, wouldn't we? Well, again... Paul's point is, you can experience peace. (laughs) Not peace absent of suffering and struggle and difficulty. Not peace absent of conflict. But peace even in the middle of all of that. Peace because you know no matter how difficult it is around you, God is with you. And because he's with you and because he's for you, you can face whatever comes your way and be at peace. His list continues. Patience. Patience. You know what patience is? Patience is moving at the speed of the other person. That's patience. Now, for some of us who are wired to move as fast as we possibly can, whew, this one's tough, isn't it? It's hard for me. It's hard for me not to be pushy. That's the opposite of patience. It's hard for me not to want to make a decision and get things going and you know figure it out and look at my wife or you know look at my kids and go, no, 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 come on, this is what you do. This is what you do. It's hard for me to slow down and move at their speed. But that's what love does. And Paul's point is the better you follow Jesus, the more patient you become the more you slow down and pause to match the pace of the other person. He mentions kindness. You know what kindness is? It's just a loaning my strength to you and your weakness. Here's what kindness looks like. When you're weak, when you fail, when you falter, when you fall, instead of looking at you and criticizing, I lean out a hand and I loan you my strength to help you get back on your feet and to get moving again. Could we use a little more kindness in our communities today? Absolutely. And Paul says, well, there's a road to that. There's a way to that. You can become a more kind person. It's by following Jesus. Goodness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Just doing what you say you're going to do. Imagine. Imagine if just followers of Jesus in our communities were always faithful. Faithful. They kept their promises, they kept their word, they kept their commitments. Imagine what our communities would be like if God overrode our free will and forced all of us to do these things that he wants us to do. Well, for starters, lawyers would be out of business. I'm sorry, lawyers, we wouldn't really even need you because it'd just be a handshake, right? And I want what's best for you and you want what's best for me. Let's agree on it, shake hands, and we're good to go. These are the character qualities. That come. This is what helps you to be better at life when you begin to follow Jesus. He continues on and he mentions gentleness. Gentleness. You know what gentleness is? It is strength under control. Strength under control. Gentleness is instead of taking the anvil, the sledgehammer, to get something done. Nope. I'm going to treat you as if you have infinite value because I believe you do. I'm not going to treat you as if you're a commodity and you're expendable. I can just replace you and get another one. Nope. You are somebody with infinite value, and so I'm going to treat you as such. I'm going to be gentle and careful with you. And then this last one, self-control. Self-control. Imagine. Imagine what our communities would be like. If everybody had self-control, imagine the number of problems that would disappear overnight if we just all had self-control, self-discipline. Now, Paul's point is not that following, as we follow Jesus, we're going to be perfect at this. No, Paul's point is, this is a transformation that God wants to do in your heart and mind in our character, as we follow him. That if we're really following Jesus well, year after year after year, we should be growing in these qualities, doesn't matter if you made more money, great, that's wonderful. If you got a promotion at work, that's awesome. If you graduated, you know, top of your class, that's terrific. All of those achievements are good. Celebrate those. But the things that you and I really ought to celebrate is people ought to be looking at us year over year going, they're kinder this year than they were last year. They're more gentle with me. They're, they're far more patient. I don't know what's happened to you, but you. You're just a lot more patient now. You're just a lot more self-controlled. You just seem to have a peace and a joy in the middle of difficulty that you didn't used to have. This is what ought to be said of us. If we're following Jesus well, these are the areas where it ought to be so evident. These are the areas where we ought to grow. And this is why the message of Jesus matters so much. Now, don't miss this. The message of Jesus, the message that he has put in the hands of us as his church to share. It is a message that's needed now as much as ever before. Because what do our communities need so much now? They need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The people in our communities, this is what they want most. When they get to the end of their lives, just like when we get to the end of ours, this is what we want to be known for. And so for those of us who follow Jesus, for those of us who are part of this church, this movement, I just want to remind us as we begin this year that we are stewards of the message of eternal life and a better life and that we have the opportunity and I would go so far as to say the responsibility to show this message by how we live and to share this message so people can understand. Just imagine. Imagine how different our communities would be if just the followers of Jesus demonstrated these qualities on a consistent basis. Imagine how much better our interactions and relationships would be. Imagine how much more enjoyable it would be to interact with people. Imagine the impact it could have on communities. If these were the reactions, these were the responses, this is what we were known for. Now flip it. Imagine if this message disappeared from the world. Imagine if in your community there was no love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Jonah's faithfulness, and self-control. It's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? But just imagine with me for a minute that this year all of that completely disappeared. There wasn't a trace of it. Imagine how difficult it would be to live. Imagine what a struggle it would be. Imagine how challenging, how miserable it would be to live among a community of people where those qualities were not present. Well, this is Paul's point. For those of us who follow Jesus, this is the message we carry. This is the life we're to live. These are the character qualities we're to demonstrate in our communities. This is the example that we're supposed to set. We are stewards of this extraordinary message of eternal life and a better life. So listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet or you don't consider yourself a church person and you're not sure you buy into all this, I understand that. But lean in for just a second and listen. We do not want anything from you. When we talk about sharing this message with you, it's simply because we want something for you. We want you to experience the life that you were created and designed to live. And I would guess it's probably the life you most want to live. When you get to the end of your life, my guess is you do not want to be known by that first list that Paul gave us. You don't want to be known for your sexual immorality, for your lustful pleasures, for your outburst of anger, for your dissension, your envy, your jealousy, your divisiveness, for manipulating people. You don't want to be known for that. I'm just telling you. And I'm no better than you. That is exactly where our broken human natures will take us apart from the power and the grace of Jesus. That's where we'll end up. But Paul says, no, no, no. I want to invite you to a better life. I want to invite you to a better way. When you begin to follow Jesus, and this is why you should consider it, when you begin to follow Jesus, your past is forgiven. All those things on the list that you check off that have hurt others, that have hurt your relationship with God, he says, I'll forgive them all. Jesus died and he rose again to pay the penalty for your sins. You don't have to pay the penalty for those. You can choose to accept his free gift of forgiveness. When you begin to follow Jesus, your present suddenly becomes very different because of what we just talked about. You know God is with you, you know God is for you, and you know God is changing you into the person he created you to be. And when you begin following Jesus, your future is secure. We're all going to face death at some point, but you don't have to fear death. Because, you know, death just allows you to step from this life into the life in the very presence of your heavenly Father, the one who loves you so deeply. It's just on to the next chapter. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would consider becoming one. Matter of fact, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the thing I would encourage you to do right now, right where you're sitting, it's so simple. It's just to, in your heart, in your mind, tell God, you know, Jesus, I give you my life. That's all you got to do. I give you my life. I'm tired of living, being controlled by my broken, sinful nature. I want to go in a new direction. So I just give you my life. And he'll forgive you. He'll make you a part of his family. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to talk him into it. You don't have to prove you're worth it. He gives it to you freely. That's what grace is all about. Now, for those of us who do follow him, we've experienced that grace. Let me just ask you something. Are you living in such a way that people see the life that Paul just described? Are you living in such a way that they see the love, joy, peace, patience changing and growing in you year after year after year? Are you sharing that with other people? Not because you want anything from them, just because you want something for them. So a year ago when I was here, I'll uh, Paul decided we had to make a quick trip to Alabama and Paul introduced me to something that is very familiar to all of you, but I had never been there before. Okay, we don't have these in Kentucky. Paul introduced me to Bucky's. Now that I walked into Bucky's and I was like, what is so what's the big deal about a gas station? You know, he kept telling me you gotta see Bucky's and I thought, okay, whatever. And then I walked in Bucky's and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So you know what I did? Well, I bought something to eat, of course. Phenomenal brisket. So got done, went back home last year, and the first thing I told my wife was, "Oh, I got to take you to this gas station." Now that did not excite her at all. Really wasn't a very good date line. But I said, "Next time we're around a Bucky's, I'm just telling you, we got to go." So recently we were on a trip. It's the first time we've been on a trip around a Bucky's, and we were. I saw the sign for one. I was like, "Kids, Jen, here it is." You know, and they thought just like I did. What's a big deal? What's a big deal? Until they walked in Bucky's. And this is no lie. I have an eight year old and a seven year old. My kids, we got back in the car to go on to where we were going, and they said, Dad, on the way home, can we plan our trip around Bucky's and we'd like to spend an hour there? I was like, What is wrong with us Hicks from Kentucky? We, you know, forget going to Florida, we just want to go to Bucky's for an hour. But it is pretty incredible, isn't it? It is. At least I'm impressed. Now, the reason I bring that up, is because you know what my natural reaction was when I experienced Bucky's for myself? It was not to keep it to myself. It was to tell my family, my friends, anybody who hadn't been there, hey, just come experience this. And they couldn't understand it. I'm describing a gas station, right? They can't imagine how, why it would be so awesome. So I don't try to convince them. I just say, come on, come on, come on. Come experience it. I just want to share it with you, and then you'll get it. listen, That's exactly what Jesus has asked us to do, simply. Just to say, come on, come on. You're a friend of mine, and you haven't experienced the extraordinary grace of Jesus. Come on. I work with you, and I don't think you've ever experienced this forgiveness. I can't even describe it to you. Would you just come share the experience with me? So for those of you who are followers of Jesus, here's what I want to get you to consider as we wrap up. Who in your life do you need to invite to share the experience? Who in your life do you need to say, listen, God's just done some remarkable things in my life. It is so phenomenal. The way he loves us, I can't even describe it. I'm not even going to try to convince you. Just come share the experience. Who do you need to invite? Who do you need to look at this week and say, hey, I'd love for you to come with me on Sunday. Come sit with me. Six feet apart, you know, or however that works, but come sit with me. Or better yet, just, hey, why don't you just watch this online? Let me send you the link. Come check this out. Listen, people will never know. They will never know what we just described in Paul's letter. They'll never know the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They will never experience the better life unless those of us who have experienced it go and show and share the experience. So would you do what you can do? Just share what God's done for you. And then let him do what only he can transform the lives of the family the friends the co-workers the classmates that you love let him transform them with his extraordinary grace that is the invitation for all of us let me pray for us father would you give us the wisdom to know what to do with this first of all for those of us who follow you and if these qualities paul just listed are not true of us if we're not growing in these areas then Help us to figure out how to follow you better so we can experience that, so you can begin to change us from the inside out. We just want to submit and surrender ourselves to you and say, okay, God, make us who you create us to be. And then, God, would you give us the opportunity to share the experience, the extraordinary things you're doing in our lives. Give us a chance to share that with the people we care about and love the most so they can experience it as well. For those who have never experienced that today, I hope that this is the moment where they just simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. And they allow you to do in them what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here today. Join us again next Sunday for episode two of Share the Experience, and y'all have a great week. We'll see you then.